0: because a lot of what I'm going to talk about is what Aja just covered, but repetition's good and coming from different ways, but it's, yeah, so cool to hear, even though I know the story, but I know of but to hear what it's like to walk with God and see him call us to, and what we're talking about today is choosing what matters most, and that God is always inviting us to choose what matters most, and sometimes that's difficult, but in the end, it brings us to the life that he has for us. And so, yeah, I just want to say this. I'm excited about this summer. This is, it is, uh, it's kind of funny. This is always, we have a lot of college students in our church, and people kind of go their different ways, and it's Mother's Day, so people are going their different ways for Mother's Day. But I just have a real sense of just excitement about God is meeting us in our individual lives in this time and place. And even over the last week, I mean, so many great things have happened. I, uh, just last Sunday, uh, Catherine and Kylie got baptized, yeah. which is awesome. I just heard a story this morning of someone else who accepted Christ this past week, which was so powerful. Uh, we've got at least three people here who graduated yesterday. Uh, let's, let's give a hand. It's Megan, Blake, I saw you. Yeah, Megan, Blake, and Jehu are here. Is there anybody else I'm missing? Yeah. Way to go. That's great, and they are heading into exciting adventures that God has for them. Uh, If I haven't met you yet, my name is Jonathan Hupp, and I serve as pastor here. And we are continuing, we're actually wrapping up a series we've been doing for the last few weeks called Running on Empty. And that idea, I think, really has hit a chord with a lot of people, because so often we feel like we're running on empty. We feel like we're kind of on fumes, and not feeling a lot of energy, feeling like life is so hurried, so busy, and it's been great looking at how God wants to take us out of that place, and into a place of, of being rejuvenated, and getting what we need from Him. But I've, I've been thinking of more than ever before of all the ways that, that people, that when we are feeling empty, that we try to fill ourselves. And, you know, I mentioned, we've talked about television or entertainment or different things that people do, but I ran across a new way this week that I didn't know is a way that people in our culture try to rejuvenate themselves when they're running on empty. And have any of you, this was a new phenomena to me. I asked my teenage daughter about it, and she was familiar with this, but are you guys familiar with the phenomena of zip-popping videos? Yeah, there's like this thing on the internet, on YouTube, where <laughs> there are videos of people showing themselves popping a zit, and there are thousands and millions of followers of people. And I, I was, there was an article on the front page of the Wall Street Journal about this this week. There's actually a dermatologist who's Dr. So-and-so, I forget, Dr. Sandra Lee, but her, her nickname is Dr. Pimple Popper, and she has 2.5 million followers. And she posts these videos of, of pimples getting popped, basically. And, but I, this, people were talking about was like a 53-year-old woman who says, yeah, I, I work hard every day, and at the end of the night, I'm tired, but it's hard to go to sleep. And better than any sleep medication is watching this video. It's just so, like, satisfying. To see, like, there's a problem, and then there's a solution, and there's peace, and I can go to sleep now. So, man, I don't know about that. I, I actually tried to watch, and I got about ten seconds into it. I was like, this is not for me. I'm not, I'm not doing this. But, man, we will find a way. We will find a way to try to deal with the anxiety and the stress and the busyness. And sometimes we get pretty, pretty creative. And, but, but none of those ways really are the thing that meets us where we are. Uh, there are. Our culture is just so so busy, so so rushed, so so hurried. You know, if you ask someone, you know, in our in our culture, hey, how are you doing? The two most common answers I think are fine, which is just the shallow like, hey, fine. You know, like not really giving you an answer, it's just like nodding your head. I exist. Yes, I'm here. And then the other answer is. I'm busy. I'm so busy. Or or even we ask it like that, like, how are you doing? Keeping busy? Like we just there's this like assumption that like that's what's going on. And you know, there's something better than just busyness and hurriedness. And I oftentimes when I'm up here talking, I, I feel like a hypocrite because it always reveals like, oh man, I struggle in these areas so much too. I am this is probably, you know, an area where like many of you probably should be preaching this morning instead of me. Just this last Thursday, I had, came home and our we had just finished the, the night before was the last kids' soccer game we had, had of this youth soccer league and I'd been coaching and so that means like three or four nights a week and a Saturday morning there's been a soccer game and so we haven't had many free nights. And but our team did great, so that was good. <laughs> Jehu helped coach, that was why we did great. But Thursday night, I, I was feeling good, came home, and it's like, man, this is going to be a good night. And I came home, and I noticed, well, our, our lawn, you know, it's probably ready to cut. And so I was good. I asked my wife, Reagan, I was like, hey, you think maybe I could start cutting, the, it would be a good idea to start cutting the lawn before dinner time. And then maybe afterwards, I can finish it up, or the kids can help. And she's like, um, okay, okay, sure, let's do that. And so we did that, and then we ate, and then I mowed. And then it's about 7.30, and then I was like, well, I really need to buy some shoes. My, my running shoes are having issues. My foot's starting to hurt. I wondered if this would be a good time. So I, again, I, I asked my wife, hey, what you, would this be a good time to go to the mall and look for some shoes? And she's like, okay, that'd be all right. And so I went, and I was gone, and I came home about about 8.39, and so our, our kids were in bed. And then Reagan looks at me, she goes, you know, really, I wish you hadn't have, wouldn't have done all that stuff. Like, I really wanted to just, like, relax together as a family tonight. I was like, oh, shoot, I screwed up again. <laughs> like, I thought, I was, I, thought I, was tr- I was helping us. I thought I was helping our family, but I played into it. I missed out on what we really needed to do. And it's, that happens so much. We're going to look at a story in the Bible that, that talks about this. And, you know, so often we think that, that busy is better. Busy is better, but really... Busy isn't better, but it's choosing what matters most that is better. And so that's what we're talking about today, choosing what matters most. Let's look, look with me at Luke chapter 10. And if you have a Bible, you can look at it or you can look on this, the screen. This is the pretty well-known story of Mary and Martha. we am just going to read through this and then we're going to break it down and talk about it a little bit. In Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village, where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So this is a really good start for for the, the story. A good start for Martha. Jesus is traveling. They come to this town, and there's this this woman named Martha, and she has a heart for Jesus and his ministry. Um, this is actually a. There's three siblings. Martha. She has a sister Mary, and they have a brother named Lazarus. And they. Jesus. This was a favorite stopping place of Jesus. As you read through the Gospels in the New Testament, Jesus stopped there regularly as he went about his ministry. But I don't know if this was the first time, I think it's the first time it's men- they're mentioned. And so they came to this town and Martha invited them into her home, invited Jesus into her home. And So she's, she's doing it out of love, she's doing it out of an affinity and appreciation for who Jesus is, desire to be close. Uh, I think one thing that this begs the question, it doesn't really tell us the details, but if you think about it, it says Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Jesus traveled, usually with at least 12 dudes who were his disciples, and there were other women who traveled with him sometimes, there were sometimes bigger groups. And so, when Martha invited Jesus in, there were other people that needed accommodations too. And I don't know if they all stayed there, but there's a good chance that they were, she was going to host all of them, or at least be involved. In this this hospitality. And so this is, hosting one person is enough, but this was more than that. And, you know, I was thinking about that, this is just kind of an aside, it's not really what we're talking about, but a lot of times we think, hey, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. And that's good. That's what we're talking about today, choosing what matters most. This is a little spoiler alert, but that's what matters most, is our relationship with Jesus. But a lot of times we want to have just me and Jesus. But when, if you were going to have a relationship with Jesus when he was walking around, that meant you had to have a relationship with the people that he was traveling with, too. You didn't get one without the other. There was, Jesus was always part of the group of disciples, which really is a picture of the church. It was the beginning of the church. And so we want to have a relationship with Jesus, but that involves a relationship with the church as well. And I don't know if you realize this, but a relationship with the church is a lot messier than a relationship with Jesus. It's a lot more difficult. If it's just Jesus, yeah, I see some heads really nodding. I'm like, man, that's for sure. Especially if your pastor's that Jonathan Hub dude, man. It's <laughs> it's messed up. But no, it's it's like just me and Jesus. Like, okay, I, yeah, that's great. Jesus is awesome. But then Mary or Martha probably thought that, like, yeah, I like Jesus, but these guys that he travels with, like, you know, I like some of them, but about half of them, they like I wouldn't pick them as friends. You know, they got some bad habits. Their personality kind of goes against the grain of how I think. They, I mean, they've, they've been 12 dudes traveling together. Like, there's some smells involved and some, you know, just, who knows? But it, having a relationship with Jesus involves something bigger than that. It's, it's other people, too. And that's part of where we really get what we need. So anyway, so Mary, or I'm sorry, Martha invites them into her home. In verse 39, she had a sister called Mary. You sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. I just want to say this about, about this, that Mary was really drawn to be with Jesus, and she sat at his feet, and that even that image of sitting at someone's feet, the the first century readers, the Jewish readers, would have known that that was an imagery, not just of someone who was affectionate about someone, although that was very, very true. And later we see Mary actually taking this really expensive perfume and before Jesus was crucified, and breaking the bottle open, and pouring it on his feet, and washing his feet with her hair. And just, like this act of adoration and worship, and preparing him. So there was this very intimate, close relationship. But sitting at the seat of a, of a te- at the feet of a teacher, was what people would do when they were disciples of a teacher. Elsewhere in the Bible, Paul says, I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. And so, when you were, under the, you were an apprentice of a, of a teacher or a rabbi, you would sit at their feet. And so, it was not only an inf- a place of close relationship and affection, but it was also a place of being a disciple, of learning what they were saying, of applying it to your life. I saying, okay, this, this is the truth, this is the wisdom of God, and I want to take this, and I want to really be hungry for, for what they're passing on, and I want to apply that to my life. And so that was the position that, that Mary was in. And in verse 40 it says, as, as Mary's sitting there at the Lord's feet, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You know, this is so real, right? Isn't this just like you and your home and like someone's not doing the chores and you're like, come on, someone tell them to help me. And, and here, here's, here's God in their, in their living room and she has that same approach of like a six-year-old child to her mom or dad. Like, hey, tell them to help me. What are you, what are you doing? Don't just. You, should, you shouldn't let this happen. In verse 41, we get Jesus' answer. It says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I just want to break this down a little bit more. This is a very interesting story. I think how many of you, like me, think, I think I could have been the Martha in this story? Yeah, I, I, every time I read the story, it's like, oh, man, I, I want to be like Mary, but I, there's a whole lot in me that is like Martha, and tends to be that person. And this is, you know, again, Martha started out well. She was doing this with the best of intentions, but somehow she got derailed, and kind of like Aja was talking about with her story, like starting out and in, in ministering to other people, like, yeah, this is I love God, and man, he's done so much for me, I want to love other people, but then we can so easily lose sight of the why, and then it becomes about the wrong things, and we get distracted. And so, uh, if you have your bulletins, if you're taking notes, I just want to make three points about this, this story. The first one that, that, that the Word of God points out here is that loving God matters most. Nothing is more important than loving God. Uh, Just in another gospel, Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, he was asked by a religious teacher, hey, what's the most important law of all? And let's just look at that real quick. Matthew 22, verse 35. It says, One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and with all your mind. Now that is the first and most important commandment. And really, every other commandment ties into that one. It's, hey, it's about loving God with everything that we have. Everything God asks us to do, everything he lays in front of us, it's not just about these tasks, but it's about a relationship with God, and living in a place of of love for him. And this is what we were made for. You know, this is from the very beginning of creation when God made Adam and Eve. He would walk with them, the Bible says, in the, in the garden, in the cool of the day. There was a friendship. There was a, a relationship. There was a loving connection that God made us for. And that's what, that's, that's what we are looking for in all the emptiness that we're trying to fill with other stuff. There's a God-shaped void inside of us that nothing else will fill except God himself. And so you know, that's, that's what matters the most. And it's, but as, even as Christians, it's so easy to forget this. It's so easy to drift away from loving God into, into other stuff. And we're going to talk more about that. Um, yeah, but this is, this is the heart of It's like, man, this is what, what matters most, is loving God. The second thing I want to say, and this is kind of a little aside or, or tangent from the story, but I want to say this, is that loving others can be loving God. And I mentioned that with like the disciples and Jesus having the disciples. If you love Jesus, that means you're going to love other people too. And when Jesus, the scripture we just read, Jesus said the most important commandment is to love God with everything you have. And the very next verse, in Matthew 22:39, 39, he said, And the second commandment is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. It's interesting, the second command of loving your neighbors is like the first command of loving God. Because one of the most important ways or common ways we love God is by loving other flesh-and-blood people. And so, you know, this is important because we can easily adopt an overly kind of pietistic mindset, a dualistic mindset. Um, And I I was thinking about this in in relation to Mother's Day. Because I, I know, like, in our family, my wife who's with the kids right now, but having children can make it really hard to have one-on-one time with God. Especially when your kids are really little. And that's what we talked a lot about last week, is recharging ourselves with getting away on a regular basis, a daily basis with time with God. But, man, when you've been up all night, or up five times during the night with an infant, and feeding them, and they're crying, and then you wake up, and then they need something else, and then your, your day, there's like not a break. It's a common thing for Christian moms to feel like, Oh, I'm a failure as a Christian because I don't have time for my devotions anymore. And, you know, it's important for us to know that, no, it's not just those really spiritual things. Yes, we need time with, with God one-on-one. We, we have to have time in the Bible and prayer. But there are so many ways that we love God. And loving other people, the people he puts in our life, is one of the most real and important ways that we can be loving Jesus. And, but it's so easy that, you know, we, for us, you know, I think about moms, it's like you're wiping noses and cleaning diapers and cleaning, picking up nonstop and carpooling and all of that stuff. And it's easy to, to, to feel like you're not doing anything significant. But it's also, um, you know, that, that really is true love. That, that really can be loving God and loving people in a very real way. Um, you know, and this is. This is true for all of us, even if most of us, you know, or a lot of us aren't moms. Most of us are in this room are not moms. But there are other very real relationships and responsibilities that, that God gives us. You know, I think about the graduates who are, you know, people getting ready to, all, all those thousands of people who got a diploma yesterday and are getting ready to start a career. And that can seem like, oh, is that an important thing? Well, the Bible says whatever you do, do it as service to God. That you can be... An architect, or a teacher, or a chemist, or whatever it is, that can be a way of loving God and worshiping Him. But it also can be a distraction from not loving God and worshiping Him and loving Him. And so that's the, the third point I want to make, is that although all these things can be ways of loving God, and for, Mary, for Martha, that, she was starting out in loving God, But good things are often distractions. And that's what distractions tend to be. Not not necessarily the evil things, but distractions tend to be good things that take the place of God. Or that we forget why we should be doing those things in the first place. And so a a lot of people, if you ask them, hey, what are the priorities in your life? If I was to ask you, how would you list your top priorities? probably most people that are, that are Christians would say something like this, well, God comes first, then my family, and then maybe my job, or, or maybe ministering to other people. We would, we would say those as like that's the order of priority. But so often, when we look at what's actually going on in our life, in our time, in our thoughts, in our heart, that's not what, what's actually happening. That's oftentimes what's not actually happening with me. There's, there's so much in our life, of the, our jobs, of schoolwork, the housework, the family obligations, church activities. All these things can so easily crowd our life, and we forget the why. We forget, why am I doing this in the first place? They become an end of themselves. And that's what Mar- Martha is. like, man, I can't get her name right. By the end of today, I'll say it right I want the first time, but she started out opening up her, heart, her home to Jesus and doing this act of service from a place of, of love. But then it became, oh shoot, you know, and there was there were no cell phones back then, there were no like RSVP online, like Jesus probably just showed up in town, and then it's like, "Oh hey, come on over and then there's the whirlwind of activities, and oh man, my house isn't clean, and we' got to kill a, a lamb and prepare a meal, and we got to take care of this and that, and where are they going to sleep when i haven 't changed the bedding and you know all the stuff my My wife talks about i don 't know why I do this before we go on a trip, but I, all at once, I want to get our house nicely organized before we leave the house. It's like, I want to come home to a clean house. And so she's like, you're in your cleaning frenzy again. Why are you doing this? It's like, I want to get everything done before we leave. But it can be that way before you leave, or people come over. It's like, oh, we've got to do all this stuff. And it ends up squelching the life and squelching the relationships instead of actually serving the relationships. Does this happen to anyone besides me? Does this happen with your house stuff? Yeah, Does this happened with your job? Anyone your job kind of get crazy? Yeah, there's a hand. I to say I get joy from coming home from vacation and everything's clean house because I've got all this stuff coming. You <laughs> speaking my language there. That's good. Yes. Yes, no, it is. It is a good thing. But and it can be well done, but it can but all these things they can take a wrong turn somewhere. And then they take over, and it's with everything, yeah, house stuff, family stuff, church stuff. I mean, it's so easy to, like, to, yeah, I should do this, I should do this, I should do this. And then it's like, oh, man, I just have so much stuff on my plate, and I'm, I'm not really enjoying this. And, you know, that's how you know when, when things have, something's become a distraction, or maybe it's something that you need to say no to, is when you have said yes to something, but now it's just an obligation. Now it's just a duty. There's no joy in it. There's no, it's not out of serving a person or loving a person. It's just become something like, I have to do that. And so these good things easily become distractions. All right. Um, but it's easy to be, de- to be deceived. You know, I tell myself, oh, well, I'm, I'm working hard because I'm providing for my family. Because I love my family. Really? No, maybe you're just working hard because you get a buzz out of feeling like you're getting a lot done and making something happen. You know, I'm, I'm keeping a clean house because I love my family. Well, sometimes yes, but no, not all the time. Sometimes it's just about me. It's not about my family. And, you know, that's, that's what we got to look at, is what's the why of what we're doing. There's, there's a pattern, I think, if you look at, at Martha. There, I said her name right the first time. We, with the distractions is we begin with good intentions. Then the distractions roll in. And the distractions appear as priorities. And the priorities begin to appear as distractions. The important thing is, like, oh, man, that's a distraction from what what I want to do. And so things get flipped. And then what comes next? Pressure arrives. You start to feel the pressure build up. And pity arrives. Good old self-pity. It always comes to us acting like our friend. We start feeling sorry for ourselves. And that's what Martha did. It was like, man, here I am working so hard. I'm being the good one here. My sister's just leaving me alone. She's just being a bum, sitting there hanging out with Jesus. And I am doing all the work. And that's what always happens. I'm always the one that's stuck doing the work. And other people always leave me hanging. And we start, self pity rolls in. Start feeling sorry for ourselves. Am I hitting a chord yet with anybody? Yeah, that's how it happens. And then what happens is you snap. And that's what Martha did. She's like, I can't take it anymore. Jesus, this isn't right. Tell her to stop. It's not fair. And so the snapping is evidence that we've lost the margin in our life. We've, we're taking on too much, and it's not out of the right place in our heart and there's not margin, and then we come to a place of, of snapping. So, all right, that's all I got for you. Go home. No, just joking. I'm going to try to help us, like, come out of this. How do we bring this home? How do we get out of this place? How do we choose what matters most? Well, the first thing you got to do is you have to confess your lie. Because behind us, choosing what doesn't matter most is always us believing something that is not true. There's always a lie that we believe. I'm just going to list some really common ones that hopefully this hopefully this helps you identify some common lies for you. Here's a common lie. There's just not enough time to do everything. Or you know, I wish I had more hours in the day. You know, I used to get really jealous of those I'd read stories of people that only needed 4 hours of sleep a night. I was like, "Oh, that would be so great." Like, well, people are sleeping, I could be up, like, doing all the stuff I don't have time for, and that would be great. But you know what? There are enough hours in the day. God made just enough minutes for each day for us to do what he wants us to do. He hasn't short shift, whatever the word is. He hasn't sold us short. There are enough minutes for us to do what he's put in front of us, what he wants us to do. But it's when we take on other stuff and when we're not doing it out of Loving him, that things get messed up. How about this one? This is just a busy season. The, oh, well, I'm not usually this way, but right now, this is a busy season for me. And, you know, there are busy seasons. There are times that are more demanding. But a lot of times, we, we tell that lie, or we believe that lie, and you know what? Every season's a busy season. It's like, no, this is a busy season, and that rolls right into the next busy season, which rolls into the next busy season. And so... No, there's something we're believing that's we're not getting what we need. If, if that that's that's led us off the hook. How about this? This is this is big for me. This is really important. Now this thing is really important. That's why I'm doing this because it's so important. Or it's ugly. This is the ugly stepsister of that lie. I have to do this. I have to do this. I. Whenever someone told me this once, and I've stuck with me, whenever we say I have to do something we're not in a place of loving God and trusting God it's a place of feeling like the pressure of just I have to do this I don't have any choice it's almost like I have to set God's principles aside because this situation is so demanding that I have no choice in the matter and the reality is no there's, that's not what needs to give right there um, some some core lies that are behind a lot of this is I work for my worth, and my worth comes from my work or my accomplishments, what I get done, what how much I can do. That's where my worth comes from, and or usually we fall into one of two camps: either that is a big lie for us, or this lie: I work for the approval of others. That I'm doing all this stuff so that people will approve of me. So people will give me a hand clap. Good job. Yeah, you're the one who gets a lot done. Oh, you're the successful one. Oh, yeah. And so those are lies that are easy for us to believe. And so we need to identify that lie and confess it as a lie. Second thing we got to do, and there may be other, other lies, and we need to see what is the lie that I'm believing that is getting me stuck in this cycle. The second thing we need to do is name our distractions. Name our distractions. What are the things in our life that are distracting us? They're, they become a priority, but they're really a distraction. And this could be events we're involved in, activities, kid stuff, church stuff. It's What are the things that have become distractions? And as I mentioned before, the way you can know what that is, is usually it's, it's something you agreed to, but then there's no life in it. There's You've just... You, you, it's an obligation now. It's a duty. And it's something in your heart that you regret that you're doing. And let's think about that for a minute. What is, is there a distraction for me? Something I'm involved in that really I shouldn't? It really is not from God. For a lot of us, probably the most spiritual thing that you could do this week would be to say no. No to a distraction or two. To say, you know what? That's something that I've given a place in my life, and my schedule, and, you know, I'm going to say no to that because that really isn't something that I should be giving my life to. And then the third thing. So we confess our lie, we name our distractions, and then we choose what matters most. This is really where the power comes from. Like Mary, chose what matters most. You know, really, you know, I think in our hearts all of us want to live this way. All of us want to be like be like Mary, but really, you know, we we've, we've got to, to long for to dream for the words that, that Jesus spoke to Mary. Hey, she chose what's better. She chose the one thing that is the most important. You know, there are a few things really that matter, and really only one thing matters, and she chose what's better. It's you know like well, well Mary worked. Or sorry, Martha worked. Got it. There it is again. Martha worked, Mary worshiped. She chose what was better. While Martha was distracted, Mary was devoted. She chose what was better. Martha felt pressure, Mary felt peace because she was choosing the one thing that was better. Martha was filled with resentment. Mary was filled with enjoyment because she felt better. She chose what was better. And, you know, that's that's really the life that God invites us into, is to choose what's better. And if you're thinking about this, you're probably going, hey, that's hard. This is not easy to make choices like this in my life. There are real issues, real choices, but really this is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ. This is what the essence of being a disciple is, is choosing... God's way over the world's way. And it's not just like Aja said of coming, you know, the first time, yes, I decide I'm gonna respond to Jesus as my Lord. That's great. But then it's choice after choice after choice after choice in all the complex areas of our life. Okay, God, what's your way and what's the world's way? What's your way, what's my way? And those are real choices. And we can let ourselves off the hook by going, well, you know, that's such a hard choice. God wouldn't really want me to make that choice, sweet little me. Like He wouldn't. No, He He would, because that choice will lead you into not running on empty anymore, and that choice will honor Him. And so, it's and it's the standard that we have is is God's Word, the Bible. Okay, what is God's way laid out here versus the way our culture thinks or the way I think? How can I walk in that? And so, you know, for us to to do that, we're going to feel like we're dropping something. Usually real choices, you can't, we can't have everything. And that's where a lot of our problem comes from. We just keep trying to add stuff to our life. Add this, add this, add this. And we talked about this throughout this, this message series. That a lot of times we have to let go of something in order to embrace the things that really are from God for us. I, a friend of mine, I was asking him for some advice a while back about just organizing my schedule. And this is a guy who... He was a college student when we were doing campus ministry in St. Louis, and became a disciple. And he's now a financial planner, and is really good at helping organizations be focused. And he said, "Well, this is what I do. I've got this list every day, my to-do list. But in light of like, what is the one goal for my life? What am I trying to accomplish? All right, then put on one side what things add towards that, and what things don't add towards that. They may be good things, they may be nice things, but they don't." Push you towards the goal that you know is supposed to be the focus of your life. And he said, You're going to feel like you're dropping things. You're going to feel like things are getting dropped. You're going to feel like balls are dropping because you're spinning so many, you've got so many balls in the air that you're, you're juggling. You're going to feel like balls are dropping. You know what? They will. But guess what? Balls are dropping already. It's just the wrong balls are dropping right now. Because when we try to do everything, inevitably we don't do everything, and it's what should be the priority that gets dropped. But when we put the first things first and choose what matters most, then what, gets, what is important, our, our relationship with God, and what really matters that flows from that, that happens. And you know what? God takes care of everything else, too. So, man, doesn't that sound like the way to live? I mean, imagine like living with more margin in your life. Oh, that sounds so good. You know, imagine that you have an evening and you're like, huh, yeah, I've got some time here. How can, I, how can I love God tonight? I wonder if there's a person that I could really, like, spend some quality time with tonight. Or maybe it's like, man, maybe I could come ten minutes early on a Sunday morning and, like, be ready to minister to somebody. Because i got some margin. Or my community group. Like maybe that's, instead of that being a, an obligation because there's just so much in my life, maybe it's like, you know, this is a group of people that I'm walking in covenant relationship with. And I want to come and build those relationships. And I want to be in a place of having something to give to other people. Man, and just whatever area, the things that are really important in our life, that we're in that place, that we have that sort of readiness that we can choose what matters most. I'm going to pray for us and just ask that God would help us and, and we're going to uh, worship God with one more song together too. And I just want to encourage us as we do that to just be asking God, God, what are you speaking to me? How can I live like this more? Lead me into this. So let's, let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you have the best for us. Thank you that you are the best for us. You're worthy. I asked this morning.